three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 464. Welcome in. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. Reports have been made that the Dallas Cowboys are planning to release wide receiver Amari Cooper. And cutting Cooper, getting him off the roster, will save or free up $16 million in salary cap space this offseason. The new league year starts on my birthday, March 16th. And on March 20th, Amari Cooper is due to make $20 million fully guaranteed. So getting him off the roster saves him a ton of money. Remember, the Cowboys traded a first-round pick to get Amari Cooper from the Raiders in 2018, and it's debatable now that the Raiders won the trade because they used that pick to draft a stud starting safety, Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram still plays for the Raiders. Amari Cooper's already gone from the Cowboys, or at at least so we believe. We will see if that actually does happen. I believe he will get released. Amari Cooper had over 1,000 yards receiving in 2018, again in 2019, and then again in 2020. Last year, he had a little bit of a drop-off. He had 68 catches for 865 yards and eight touchdown catches. Despite the lower numbers last year, I mean, Amari Cooper is still a stud. The idea of having Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb as a tandem together on the same team on the same receiving core, that's awesome. And Dallas letting him go is a big blow. So, number one, I'm very excited to see where does Amari Cooper go as a free agent. There's a lot of opportunity around the league. A lot of teams could use a number one receiver. That's exciting. That's interesting. Uh, But the more really interesting angle here to me is that the Cowboys are having salary cap problems. They can't pay everybody. And the most shameful worst part about this is that they're paying Ezekiel Elliott, their running back, a ton of money. The salary cap hit next year for Ezekiel Elliott is over $18 million. Ugh. They're stuck with him, even though in today's NFL, a receiver is way more valuable than a running back. It's a bad contract, and you're overpaying a running back. It's not the 90s anymore. The game has changed, and I mean, it also doesn't help that they're, I think, a little bit overpaying their starting quarterback, Dak Prescott. They're giving him a ton of money. Uh, you, you could argue he's overpaid. I don't want to hear the anger about that. I don't really care. You got to pay your quarterback, I, whatever. But what's the problem in Dallas? Let's get to the root of the issue. Because what's keeping the Dallas Cowboys from a Super Bowl right now? The problem is and continues to be their owner, Jerry Jones. They have a Jerry Jones problem. His emotional decision-making, his refusal to hire a general manager, the fact that you know, he hired a guest man as a head coach. There's that IQ meme where it's like 10 IQ, 100 IQ, 1,000 IQ. I would argue that 10 IQ is blaming Amari Cooper. 100 IQ is blaming the Ezekiel Elliott contract. And 1,000 IQ is realizing that Jerry Jones is the problem. He is the person who put the Cowboys in this situation. Let's look at, you know, let's say it. The Cowboys are letting a good player go, Amari Cooper. So letting good players go, they're overpaying other players who... I mean, a running back in today's NFL is not worth an $18 million salary cap. It's just that's that's bad. That's terrible money management. They've got a coach I don't believe in. And from where the Cowboys are right now today, a Super Bowl feels a long, long way off. 
And unfortunately for them, if I was a Cowboys fan, I'd have a hard time supporting this team because right now, in my opinion, the problem is the owner is in the way of you winning a Super Bowl. And if you're a Cowboys fan that, feel that feels that way as well, I'd be like, man, I can't support this team until Jerry Jones is gone. I, maybe Jerry Jones will change. Maybe he will someday hire a GM. I think hopefully in his old age, uh, he'll get a little bit less controlling and give control to someone else, and he can actually hire a great head coach who can run stuff. Um, I mean, Sean Payton's a dream hire someday, right? But you'd have to have a Jerry Jones as owner who's willing to give up a little more control and let Sean Payton run things his way. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. So uh, I, I just want to repeat, the Cowboys have a Jerry Jones problem. And right now he is holding back their organization. Okay, uh, let's talk about baseball. Let me drink some water real quick before we do that. The other day I did a topic about baseball, about the MLB specifically. Kind of how I saw the MLB lockout so far. And I invited feedback. I wanted people to write into the show, let me know how you feel, and not only share your thoughts, but educate me a little bit, because I was very open about, hey, I don't know everything about this topic. I don't follow baseball that closely anymore. And I learned a lot. In fact, I even learned a new word. The word is arbitration. We will get into that in a moment. And, you know, it sent me down a rabbit hole. I was reading a bunch. I felt kind of like a like an MLB conspiracy theorist. I just went down the rabbit hole. I'm like, oh my God, realizing all this horrible stuff about the league. And uh, honestly, everything I read made me hate Major League Baseball even more. Again, it's a beautiful, wonderful, incredible sport. I love the sport of baseball. The league drives me nuts. MLB owners are cheap and stingy and... They use, frankly, dirty tricks to avoid paying players. It's shameful. It's awful. Let's start with this. You cannot become a free agent in Major League Baseball until you have accrued six years of service time. Now, that's not just having six years in the league. It's actually, because that would be too easy, right? Oh, you're in the NFL for six years? You've been in the league for six years. No, no, in baseball, it's a little bit different. In Major League Baseball, like, hey, if you're in the league for six years, you may not actually have six years of service time. How do you get even one year of service time in Major League Baseball? You need to be on an active roster for 172 days. That counts as one year. By the way, the regular season is 187 days, and so often what you will see is, you know, teams will hold a player in the minor league system for a little bit, making their timeline of their clock stretch out even longer by about even a year. So after six years of, quote, service, you can finally become a free agent. Now, the way that teams screw that timeline, the, you know, Major League Baseball is used like a trap, and players do not get called up because owners don't want to pay them. These billionaire owners who <laughs> don't understand the value in a baseball player, which is their best commodity as a franchise— they will keep players in the minors to make their clock and service time stretch out even longer. Again, like I said, like a year even. And the guys getting screwed the most right now in Major League Baseball are not the guys at the top getting a ton of money, guys like Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. The guys getting screwed right now in Major League Baseball are the role players or the young guys in the league. So minor leaguers are getting paid basically nothing, like literally less than minimum wage. And even younger star players can take forever before they really actually get paid market value, before they get a big contract. Guys like Juan Soto or Pete Alonso who haven't accrued that six years of 
service required, even though they're massive stars. Juan Soto is my personal favorite baseball player. I love his approach. I love his batting style, everything. Here is how that works, by the way. It's a, it's a process called arbitration. I learned a lot about it. If you have accrued at least three years of service but haven't yet reached the coveted six years of service to the Major League Baseball system, you are subject to an ugly, awful system called arbitration where players have to literally beg for their salary. And here's the worst part. Teams are actively trying to prove to a mediator or an arbitration panel why a player is worth less than they are asking for. They are completely lowballing players constantly and literally lawyering up to explain why, ah, he's actually not worth what he's asking, blah, 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 stats, numbers, throwing all the stuff at the board. Can you imagine having lawyers coming after your salary? <laughs> That's awful. Juan Soto deserves to be paid. People like that, people who are stars in the league who are early on in their career. And because it takes so long for a star player to become a free agent, they are often massively underpaid during some of the best prime years of their career. Now, I used the phrase in my last topic, millionaires versus billionaires. People did not like that phrase. Uh, remember, I am neither a millionaire nor obviously am I, I'm not a billionaire. Uh, the league minimum is $600,000 in the Major League Baseball and the, the Major League Baseball, as if it's like the Ohio State. In Major League Baseball, you make $600,000 as the league minimum. Now, $600,000 to play baseball sounds amazing to me. Anyone want to pay me $600,000 to play a kid's game? I am all in. That sounds great. Uh, here's the thing, though. And now, I will say, baseball does not wreck your body as bad as a sport like football, for example. But if you make, you know, three years, $600,000, that's a good hefty sum of money. That's a lot of money, but you're not set for life. And what I think is really annoying here is you have these billionaire owners just flat out refusing to pay their most important asset, their players. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. And the more I learn about the MLB, the less I like it. For example, I learned about the luxury tax, which it's not a salary cap. You can spend beyond the luxury tax amount. You just got to pay a tax or a fee to spend more than that amount of money. What that really does, if I didn't explain it very well, it means that if you spend beyond a certain amount of money, you've got to pay even more money, which, again, what that really does is means that the teams at the bottom that have less revenue cannot spend more than the luxury tax, and the really rich teams don't even care. They're like, sure, we'll, we'll waste bucket loads of money and go beyond the luxury tax, and all it really does is make the divide between rich teams and poor teams even worse and even greater. And, oh man, um, I, you know, I learned a lot. I don't talk about baseball that often for obvious reason. I don't love the league. Uh, but the league refuses to change. They refuse to empower their players. They refuse to allow personality, bat flips and celebrations. And arbitration is horrible. The, the lack of a salary cap is so infuriating. Oh, let's have a luxury tax, which, again, all it does is make that divide even greater between the top and the bottom. And in my opinion, they're ruining the great sport of baseball. Baseball is amazing. I love the sport. It's beautiful. I love playoff baseball. It's incredible. But I hate the league. It's a beautiful sport with a horrible league. And if there is any way to get Major League Baseball 
out of baseball and just watch baseball without their nonsense, I would be so happy for that. I don't. That's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, but it, I, the more I learn, the more I educate myself on what's going on in Major League Baseball, the more I listen to you guys giving me feedback. I just get increasingly turned off from the sport, and uh, it's unfortunate. But I'm like, I'm I'm not dealing with all that nonsense. I just I. <laughs> Six years of service time before you can become a free agent is ridiculous, and uh, I, I learned a lot. I listened to your feedback, and all it really did was infuriate me even further. Like baseball fans, how, who supports this? Like I don't understand. I, I genuine question. Like I get it if you love the sport, and I I understand wanting to watch the sport played at the highest level by the best people. Like I would have a hard time watching college baseball or high school baseball because I'm like, like I know there's a better level out there. Although, like, look, the Little League World Series, when it's on, I watch it. It's fun. I watch the Little League World Series way more than I watch Major League Baseball, which is sad and a weird coincidence, I, I guess. I don't know. But I want it. Major League Baseball fans, like, does anyone feel good about the stuff I just talked about? Arbitration, six years of service, the luxury tax. It's all nonsense, and it drives me bonkers. And I want to hear your feedback a little more. I probably won't cover it even further, but um, I, I just... Ugh. It's so frustrating to learn more about a league that is, in my opinion, ruining a really great sport, the sport of baseball. Okay, uh, the Haas F1 team, Haas, Haas, I never know. I never know how to pronounce this name. The Haas F1 team announced that they are dropping Russian title sponsor Earl Kali. They've also terminated the contract of one of their drivers, Nikita Mazepin. Uh, So amidst the war with Ukraine... Having a Russian title sponsor, and we'll get into more, you know, it was a bad look. And a lot of people, after Nikita Mazepin got axed by the team, were feeling sympathetic for Nikita Mazepin. Saying, oh, it's not his fault. Well, here's what they're missing about that. Here's what people don't really, I think, understand when you feel sympathy for Nikita Mazepin. Nikita Mazepin and the sponsor Earl Kali came hand in hand. And I might be pronouncing Earl Kali. I don't know how to say that. Earl, U-R-A-L-K-A-L-I. However you pronounce that, I'm going to say Earl Kali. I don't really care how it's pronounced, honestly. They're gone. They're out of F1 anyway. Nikita Mazepin's dad is a Russian oligarch. And the only reason Nikita Mazepin was brought in as a driver for Haas was because He brought money with him. He wasn't deserving. He wasn't a great driver. He paid for a seat. He was a gentleman driver. And without the money, there was no reason to put up with him. Now, on top of all that, during his brief stint as an F1 driver, Nikita Mazabin came across as totally unlikable to me. And I really despise the idea of a great driver sitting at home well, we are all forced to watch Nikita Mazepin try to drive an F1 car. It was always a shameful waste. I hated it. Because in my mind, the best drivers in the world should drive in Formula 1. <laughs> That's simply not Nikita Mazepin. We called him Mazespin because he was horrible. And I don't like having guys like him in Formula 1. It just, it's like, it just puts the whole thing to shame a little bit, in my opinion. And it kind of makes a mockery of the talent required to really become an F1 driver. Now, there is one looming question left I want to ask, which is where will the money come from to fund the Haas F1 team? I would assume now they are in trouble because they removed their title sponsor. And 
I wonder, do they have the money to keep racing in Formula One at all? Because there's a reason they took money from a Russian oligarch uh, to begin with. There's a reason they needed Earl Kali's money, and the reason that they took Nikita Mazman was because they desperately needed money. Now they don't have that money, what's going to happen next? I assume they don't have that money. And I just wonder, my lingering question is, is the Haas F1 team going to be okay financially? Uh, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we are going to do some predictions versus reality. I got to check the audio. It's in my ear. It's very weird. Um, I, okay, so I'm not hearing echo without the headphones on. I think my headphones might have broke. I don't really know because it's. I'm hearing this trippy echo, and I've been doing it for like 10 minutes, and it really threw me off. Um, I'm going to solve the technical problems. And I will see you on the other side. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. It has been over 24 hours. Um, The audio problem took me way too long to figure out. I'm actually a little bit embarrassed because in the end, after trying literally everything I could possibly think of, it turned out I just needed a new USB cord to my audio interface. I don't know. And, you know, here's the, the biggest problem here is I didn't record for over 24 hours and it didn't actually affect the end product. Like I put out the, the topics for the first part of the show. It sounded fine. I just couldn't handle hearing like a five second delay while I'm trying to talk. I, I don't I, I don't know. I look back and I'm like, I could have probably recorded without hearing myself, but that would have felt weird. And I was being a diva. OK, let's admit it. Right. OK. All right. Let's move on. I did the best I could. Uh, I, I am back in the same shirt. So there is some continuity, despite the fact that it's been literally like an entire day apart from recording the first half of the show to the second part of the show. Here we go. Let's jump in. The rumor is apparently the Washington commanders are all in on trying to trade for Russell Wilson. He is currently the star quarterback in Seattle, the other Washington. Apparently, the commanders are offering multiple first round picks. Uh, Remember, Russ grew up in Virginia about two hours south of D.C. And I love this idea. I am all for mortgaging your future, trading away first-round picks to go get a franchise quarterback. I don't think it's going to happen. But I believe that Russ on that team in Washington, the Commanders, could win the NFC East. I think they could leapfrog the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, it feels like every year a new team wins that division anyway. They run the ball really well. Uh, last year, they had a ton of receivers get hurt. Curtis Samuel got hurt. Logan Thomas got hurt, their tight end. Um, their stud defensive end, Chase Young, got hurt. Their defense looked really bad last year, but I think appearances are a little bit different than the reality. I think a lot of that was a lack of support from their offense. I mean, kind of like a pitcher in baseball, a defense in the NFL needs run support. And if your offense isn't putting up points, it's hard to be successful as a defense in the NFL. On top of that, people getting hurt, and I don't know. It was a weird year for the Washington last year. It kind of got ruined by injuries. But I I will tell you, Russell Wilson throwing to Terry McLaurin sounds like a really, really fun combination to me. And uh, I doubt it happens, but I like the idea. Russ, you know, Commander Russell Wilson sounds really fun to say. And uh, I don't know, man. I, 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 would, I don't think it's going to happen at all. That's my prediction. It, it will not happen. 
If it does, though, I'm jumping out of my seat. I will be, I'll be very, very excited. And uh, for a long time, I've been complaining that the Seattle Seahawks do not properly appreciate Russell Wilson, nor do they properly support him. And uh, I don't know. I don't know that Washington is the best organization to build around him, but I, I don't know. I'm happy for a change. I want to see that happen. I like chaos in the league, and I'd be very, very happy to see Commander Russell Wilson. Uh, in college football, quarterback Jaden Daniels has announced that he is leaving Arizona State and transferring to LSU in the SEC. This is a big move. Uh, LSU and the new head coach, Brian Kelly, have found their quarterback. It's awesome. Uh, Jaden Daniels is good. He definitely has NFL potential. I thought early on in his career, he was a future first-round pick. Uh, I want to see if he can turn himself into a first-round pick by playing at LSU with a lot of talent against really good defenses. He was underwhelming last year at Arizona State, and then they had some kind of falling out. Uh, There's a story there. I don't entirely know what it is, and a lot of people will claim they know, but I don't think until years later we'll really find out exactly what happened between Jaden Daniels and the coaching staff and the locker room. Um, I think it might have hurt him that they talked about, you know, possibly bringing in Spencer Rattler. I'm sure whatever Herm Edwards said to Jaden Daniels, he didn't love to hear, which is probably, I don't know. I, I just, we don't really know what happened, but something happened between Jaden Daniels and Arizona State. If you're an Arizona State fan and you know more than I do, or you have some knowledge, feel free to write in. I will talk about it on the show. Um, but what, ultimately, what I'm really, really curious about is can Jaden Daniels elevate his game by making the move to LSU? Uh, he's no Joe Burrow, but we saw Joe Burrow go from nobody to a number one overall pick by not only getting on the field, but going to LSU. Now, Joe Burrow played for a year and then elevated his stock in his second year at LSU. But I don't know. It's not impossible. And... I will say Brian Kelly's system is not the most quarterback-friendly system in the in college football. Excuse me, uh, but I, I don't know. I'm all I'm all I'm all ears. I'm ready to watch. I'm very excited. Uh, Jaden Daniels is a guy that's been on the radar for a long, long time, but he's been just underwhelming recently. So I want to see can he elevate himself and do a first-round pick by making the move. And time will tell. But I I would be shocked. I mean, he's certainly the starting quarterback at LSU and. I'm very, very excited to see what happens there with him and the Tigers. Go Tigers. G-E-A-U-X? G-E-A-U-X? I think it's a gox. Go Tigers? I don't know. I'm stupid. Don't listen to me. Actually, please do because it pays my bills. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about – I want to do – let's talk about – I want to do predictions versus reality for the Jets and the Denver Broncos – I predicted that the New York Jets would go 7-10 and 10 last year in 2021. In reality, they went 4-13, and 13, and it was not exactly the you know, exciting turnaround I thought it would be. And I honestly thought their young rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, would have a better rookie year than he did. In 13 games, Zach Wilson had a 55.6% completion percentage. He threw for 2,334 yards nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Now, he also did run for four touchdowns, so he had more touchdowns than turnovers, but um, 
It's still not great. I didn't walk away going like, yeah, he is the, the best thing ever. It's kind of, we're kind of just in limbo waiting to see what will become of Zach Wilson. Now, remember, Zach Wilson got drafted by the New York Jets, and I want to let them build around him before you give up on the guy. I just think that's fair. He went to a bad organization. He was a rookie quarterback on a bad team. Now, the Jets started 1-4, and four, and by far his most painful performance was when he threw four interceptions against the Patriots in week two early on in the year. And he never really had the great breakout game where I went, yeah, that's why he was a number two overall pick. Like I kind of waited and waited and he made a couple plays here and there. And I thought did some good stuff. And I guess highlights from his rookie year are awesome, but the, the consistency wasn't there. But again, I go back to, he went to the jets who haven't made the playoffs in literally over 10 years. And so I got a lot of patience for Zach Wilson. We'll see how things go. He certainly has talent, and uh, I want to see how they build around him. Now, the Jets' defense was absolutely terrible. And they actually do have a defensive head coach, Robert Sala, but it really didn't show. I mean, you're watching, like, this team has a defensive head coach. Like, you would never know. They were literally last in the NFL. They ranked 32 out of 32 teams on defense Now, second-year corner Bryce Hall stepped up. He was a fifth-round pick in 2020. He became a solid starter at corner. Also, rookie corner Michael Carter was encouraging. He was a good number three corner playing in the slot. And, um, I mean, the Jets have a ton of cap space next offseason, so nearly $50 million, a little over $48 million. They're one of the teams in the NFL that has the most money available to spend in free agency. Could they maybe go after... Amari Cooper. I want to see them make a move or two to build around their young quarterback. And I, I want to see how they build around Zach Wilson this offseason. Now, the two best moments of the year for the Jets, I thought their overtime win week four over Tennessee for their first win of the year was awesome. It was a, a high point where I was like, yeah, I felt really good. If there was one moment where Zach Wilson shined, it was that game where he made a couple plays off script and had a big throw or two downfield. The other like really fun moment for the Jets last year was week eight when their backup quarterback, Mike White, threw for literally over 400 yards and beat the Cincinnati Bengals. That was just a really fun moment. It wasn't like, yeah, we feel great about the future because Mike White isn't your franchise quarterback. In fact, it was kind of weird. It started a bit of a quarterback controversy for a brief period there in New York. But if you're a Jets fan, like you're looking for anything fun to root for. And that was certainly a fun moment from last year. Now, at receiver, I was excited to watch rookie second-round pick Elijah Moore. Uh, I was also excited to watch Corey Davis, who was their, quote, big free agent signing last year. And then uh, also second-year receiver Denzel Mims was a player on my radar. Denzel Mims only had eight catches in 11 games. He was a second-round pick in 2020, and last year was a really big disappointment in my opinion. Uh, I was hoping he would produce a lot and have a solid impact. He just didn't, and I don't know what to do with that information. It's just disappointing. Uh, Now, the Jets' leading receiver was rookie receiver Elijah Moore. He had 43 catches for 538 yards and five touchdown catches in just 11 games. I love the guy. He's got a lot of potential. I'm excited for the future. Again, I go back to Elijah Moore paired with Amari Cooper. Sounds like a really fun dynamic duo. I would love to see that. Uh, now, the Jets' second leading receiver was their, you know, go go back to that quote, 
big free agent signing, Corey Davis. He only played in nine games. He caught 34 passes for 492 yards and four touchdowns. He was the Jets' second-leading receiver, but that's not saying much. And I was hoping he'd make a bigger impact coming from Tennessee. You know, he was trying to kind of resurrect his career coming over from Tennessee last year. And, eh, like, it's fine. I wish he played in more games. I wish he had better numbers. But I don't know. It wasn't encouraging, but we'll see how things work out in the future. Now, the Jets' leading rusher is a really, really positive story. Rookie fourth-round pick, running back Michael Carter. I love this guy. Great pick, great value. I would rather have him than doing what the Cowboys are doing and be massively overpaying a running back like Ezekiel Elliott. I am all for getting a rookie fourth-round pick, making him a starting running back. He made an impact immediately. Uh, bright future there. And again, tremendous value when it comes to the contract. Now, I'm also excited about the Jets' defensive line next year. They have defensive end Carl Lawson returning from... He ruptured his Achilles before the year even started, so he never really got the season going. He never played. He's coming back for 2022. I'm excited for that next year. Uh, defensive tackle, Quinton Williams. I mean, it's an understatement to call this guy a stud. He's fantastic. He's a franchise staple, like one of the hallmarks of your football team. And then also defensive end John Franklin Myers made a name for himself and got a big contract extension in October. He signed a four-year, $55 million deal, a little north of $30 million fully guaranteed. Uh, you know, Carl Lawson will be 27 this fall. Quinton Williams just turned 24 in December. John Franklin Myers is 25. It's a young, encouraging group on the defensive line for the New York Jets. And I, I, I walk away going like, yeah, that's positive. And... Even though the Jets literally, and I mean literally, had the worst defense in the NFL, dead last, 32 out of 32, somehow I actually walk away feeling kind of optimistic because they've got a defensive line I like. Uh, C.J. Mosley is a monster at linebacker, led the team in tackles. They've got an encouraging is maybe a very generous word, young secondary with new young players who are starting and making somewhat of an impact. Um, I also, on the offensive line, they got Elijah Vera Tucker at guard, Mackay Becton, George Fant. Like, there is some hope on the offensive line as well. They're working on it. It's getting better. And last year was certainly a rebuilding year with a rookie head coach. And honestly, like, if I'm, if I'm brutally honest, they didn't show a lot of progress. I mean, I, the Adam Gase era was horrible. And I'm just glad they've got a coach who's not embarrassing the football team constantly. But the results on the field weren't, like, way better. However, I like Robert Sala, their head coach. He is a guy, like, as a person, I like him. He's a very easy person to root for. I hope he works and turns it around in New York. And it's really only up from here for the New York Jets. It was not a good year, but somehow I walked away with hope for the future. And maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Time will tell. But um, I... I remain optimistic about the future of the Jets. So far, it, it, there's nothing to panic about. There's nothing catastrophic. They got a young quarterback. They got a growing team. And I'm still kind of waiting to see, is it going to work or not? I hope it does. I so badly want them to build a little more around Zach Wilson. But uh, all in all, I feel strangely positive. I'm not sure I feel, I feel weird that I feel positive, but uh, I do feel positive about the future of the New York Jets. Okay, let me open some Patreon questions for this next topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Denver Broncos. Okay. 
I predicted the Denver Broncos would go 9-8 and eight last year in 2021. I called the roster really good, and I said they would be held back by their quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. I was highly critical of the Denver Broncos for not drafting quarterback Justin Fields in the NFL draft. They passed on him. They passed on him, and I was like, I, I don't know that I would have done that. You don't have a quarterback long term. Now, the Broncos head coach, Vic Fangio, appeared to only want to coach the defense. It's like he didn't realize, hey, you're not just a defensive coordinator. You're the head coach. You kind of have to oversee everything and not just the defense. He totally neglected the offense and did the team a massive disservice. Uh, They had a ton of good offensive players, but with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, their offense was very, very limited. Uh, Sure, Denver had a top 10 defense. They were the eighth-ranked defense in the NFL. I'm sure that Vic Fangio wears that like a badge of honor. He can always tell himself, we had a good defense. Congrats, I guess, but the reality is you went 7-10. and 10. You were dead last in your division. Vic Fangio, the head coach, did get fired, and he gave some arrogant quotes when he got fired that made him really seem only interested in... I feel like all year he was just interested in maintaining his reputation. He's like, I know I can't resign. That'll give me a bad look and probably stain me as head coach. I don't know. I, I really... I just... I feel horrible about what happened last year in Denver, and... Vic Fangio walked away coming across as very unlikable and just completely committed to self-preservation. He was a head coach, I guess, but all season, again, he really seemed to only want to coach defense, and he's a good defensive coordinator. He is a terrible, terrible head coach, and you just can't ignore one side of the football. And by the way, they, they drafted... You know, stud corner, Patrick Sertan, number nine overall. As a rookie, he had four interceptions and 14 passes defended. That's great. Like, having a good stud corner is awesome. And if you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be a valuable piece to help you win next year. Here's the thing. If you don't get Aaron Rodgers, you're screwed. Because, (laughs) sorry, but having a really good young corner just is not comparable to having a good young quarterback. And is Justin Fields good? I don't know. Uh, I I think so, but we'll find out. But certainly, he's a better option than any of the other prospects that Denver has at quarterback, other than potentially Aaron Rodgers, which that trade may or may not happen. So, uh, now, the Denver Broncos did hire Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett to be their new head coach. And they are actively doing everything they possibly can to trade for quarterback Aaron Rodgers. And that leads me to two questions on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler if you want to write in to the show. Let's talk about the Denver Broncos quarterback situation. Braden wrote in, he said this, looking back on Denver's season, do you think it was a mistake for Fangio to start Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke? Personally, I always believed that despite Teddy being well, Teddy... Banking your job and the team's success on a journeyman quarterback and not opting to keep evaluating your young quarterback reeked of something I like to call trying not to get fired-itis. That's a great new made-up word. Also, if Denver doesn't get Aaron Rodgers or an elite quarterback talent this offseason, would you rather they draft a quarterback in round one of the draft or try and see if you can salvage Drew Locke like the Giants are trying to salvage Daniel Jones with Brian Dable? It's interesting to compare Daniel Jones to Drew Locke. I think Daniel Jones has more physical gifts than Drew Locke. Drew Locke has a big arm. 
he's done some boneheaded stuff off the field and broke COVID protocols and not been able to play and I think really embarrassed himself a couple times. Daniel Jones maybe has embarrassed himself on the field, maybe with fumbling and falling down or something, but I, I see a, a world where Brian Dable can get the most out of Daniel Jones. I'm not real confident that Nathaniel Hackett is the guy to get the most out of Drew Locke. Can anyone get the most out of Drew Locke? I don't know. Now, the shame is that Teddy Bridgewater didn't help Denver at all last year. Like, he was just neutral, if not negative. And here's what's the shameful thing. We didn't get an opportunity to see what Drew Locke can do. Like, he never got a shot. And Vic Fangio never giving him a shot. Like, he literally seemed to hate Drew Locke. And I've, I've, I've talked about this before. Like, I... I don't know. I think he made up his mind and decided I'm not going with Drew Locke no matter what happens, and it it really hurt their football team. Now, are any of the quarterbacks in the draft better than Drew Locke? I don't know. Like, Malik Willis is awesome. He's really raw, but he's very talented. Um, At this point, in my opinion, Denver is ready to win next year, which means they need a good quarterback next year, and I don't know how they're going to do that unless they bring in Aaron Rodgers, because all the other options they have at quarterback, whether it's a rookie or Drew Locke or a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, some kind of journeyman, and they've tried everything. They've tried Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater. They've tried the journeyman quarterback thing before. It's not working. It's a good roster that needs an elite quarterback, and they need it as soon as possible to not waste the good roster they have. I just go back to I wish they drafted Justin Fields. They really had an opportunity there to – get a talented guy, and maybe mold him into a good quarterback. Now, Vic Fangio appeared just uninterested in developing a young quarterback, so they drafted a great corner, but again, a great corner doesn't win you games the same way a quarterback can. Denver needed a quarterback, and they had a shot last year. They didn't draft him, and now their only option, basically, is to draft, or sorry, to trade for Aaron Rodgers. Now, Nathan wrote in, he said this, I know you talked about the idea of Aaron Rodgers going to the Denver Broncos recently, and I feel like him going to the Broncos is exactly the problem they've had with Peyton because they might have one or two good years with Aaron Rodgers. After he's gone, they're going to be in the same predicament they are in right now. I think the best long-term outcome for the Broncos is to draft a quarterback and let Nathaniel Hackett build him up to become a long-term solution. I know they are. I know they are a Super Bowl team right now, but why aren't they ever thinking about their future? Well, they tried. I mean, they <laughs> they drafted Paxton Lynch thinking he was going to be their long-term quarterback. They tried Brock Osweiler. They've tried a lot of different stuff in Denver. None of them have worked. And I, I will say this. I mean, <laughs> were you not happy to win a Super Bowl? You sound, no offense, Nathan, you sound a little bit ungrateful because... I think most fans would trade their future for a Super Bowl. I mean, talk to Detroit, talk to Cleveland, talk to the Jets, talk to anybody. Philadelphia, I felt like, did that. Philadelphia said, we're going to go all in this year. We don't care if it hurts our future. We want a Super Bowl. They won one. Philadelphia isn't happy they're not a great football team anymore, but they won a Super Bowl. That's a memory they're going to have forever. And a lot of teams would love to win a Super Bowl and don't really care if it hurts their future. Plus, also, would you rather be average with a good quarterback or a solid quarterback for years? I mean, you could be the Dallas Cowboys where you've got a solid quarterback, Dak Prescott, but you're never going to win a Super Bowl. You're overpaying him a little bit. I worry Arizona is going to be a team like that, too, with Kyler Murray. 
Do you want to be always solid with, well, we got our quarterback, but we're never going to win a Super Bowl? I don't know you want that. Maybe you do. Uh, but I think the, the tantalizing idea of, ooh, for a two-year period, this could work. I don't know if they're going to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, but I really believe they could. How valuable to you is that belief for two years that you're like, we got a real shot? Like, I would want that if I was a fan of the Denver Broncos, and I would rather be great for a year or two and make a run for it than be like solid and average for 10 years without a Super Bowl in any of those 10 years. Does that make sense? I, I, the trade-off is worth it to me. Um, I, I don't know if I shaped how you feel about that, Nathan, but look, you, you got Peyton Manning. You won a Super Bowl. It worked for you. I'm, I'm sorry it's been a rough couple of years since then, but with perspective, remember, almost every team in the NFL would trade places with you. They would be happy to say, we won a Super Bowl. It was a great year. It's a fond memory I will always remember. And I'm sorry if you don't like that trading, you know, getting Peyton Manning kind of hurt your future, but was it not worth it? Because it sounds worth it to me. Okay, uh, I want to, before we end the show, it's weird because I've only recorded for, you know, 23 minutes, 24 minutes now, uh, and then we're already ending the show, but I, I already recorded half the show earlier. I want to check the news, make sure there's nothing breaking that I'm going to miss out on. It looks like there's not. Coach K had his, I believe, his final home game at Duke. I, don't quote me on that. I should talk about Coach K at some point. Today is not the time to do that. NFL news, let's Google, just make sure there's nothing breaking. I don't think so. We're a couple days away from the NFL free agency starting and the league, the new league year starting on March 16th. So um, we got a couple days to kind of slip in some predictions versus reality episodes and go through every team, how their season went. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. I will see you very, very soon. Like hopefully like either later today or early tomorrow. My name is Zach Schaumler. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are.